Grab your hiking shoes and your backpack and come out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. Numero 10. I am excited to get to 10. This has been a fun stretch. The only problem is it's rainy outside and it's gloomy. And so I'm going to talk about what I do to get my nature fix when I can't hike. And I'm going to give you some tips and tricks on trekking poles and some of the brands that I uh, really enjoy using. So thanks for listening. I sat down as best as I could on another rock, and we both said nothing and meditated. Only I meditated with my eyes closed. The silence was an intense roar. From where we were, the sound of the creek, the gurgle and slapping talk of the creek, was blocked off by the rocks. We heard several more melancholy yodelahees and answered them, but it seemed farther and farther away each time. When I opened my eyes, the pink was more purple all the time. The stars began to flash. I don't actually know how much of a book I'm allowed to read on a podcast, but that is a just a little paragraph from one of my favorite books about being in the outdoors. It's The Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac, and he's got a few books that the subject is almost Mother Nature herself. I don't typically record these episodes live. I usually record them, listen to them, and it's a few days before I post them. But today's Thursday, February 20th, and it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and my desk is in the front of my house and I have a window right in front of where I'm sitting and the mini blinds are open and there's specks of water hitting my window and the wind is blowing through the trees in front of me and it's really cold outside which is fine but the rain was not something I was expecting two weeks ago when I had originally planned today my day off to go hiking with a friend hiking for his birthday was going to be kind of a fun day and then we were looking at weather and it just didn't make any sense to to do that today so today is going to be a zero day as as they call it in the uh through hike community <laughs> it's not really a zero day it's just it's a day that I don't get to hike and there was a time a few years ago, and it's gotten a lot better, where hiking on my days off was important for me to get out because I couldn't handle being cooped up in my house all day. My my mind would, would race too much, and I would think about work where I was working at the time. I would think about it, and I would be checking emails, and I would just kind of literally get stir crazy and and so that was 
part of the working on the mental health aspect was being outside on my days off so I wouldn't just be home because I, I couldn't, I, I got to be moving. Just with working in retail, you're always moving around and you're always working on stuff. And so when that turns off, it's really hard to get your body to kind of just stop and relax. Even going on vacation, I I felt bad for my wife. Always having my phone and always checking my emails. And that was partly my fault, just making myself available to my team at the time and not really setting the expectation that I I'm unavailable and y'all have all the resources you need to figure stuff out. And so hiking was a way for me to just kind of get away from that and, and, and secretly hoping I would be somewhere with no cell service. Cause then I didn't have an excuse to uh, answer my phone or check an email. And then it, it's still, it takes a lot of work and it's still something I'm working on now and totally disconnecting when I'm outdoors. But on days, you know, I think we get pretty spoiled in Texas with the weather sometimes, and we've had a bit of a mild winter, and it hasn't really been that cold, but February is typically the month when it starts to feel a little chilly, but we're already almost at the end of February, and I can barely count on one hand how many days we've had that are pretty bitter outside, but the rain definitely makes hiking a little bit more difficult I don't really like telling people to go hike well during a rain if you're if you're doing a through hike and you get caught in rain there's really not a whole lot you can do about that besides find some shelter but I also don't encourage people to hike after a rain for places that don't have good irrigation and the trails get muddy. You don't want to walk on muddy trails, and that 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 can damage the trails long term. But I learned at places like Bastrop State Park, they have there's a lot of sand on their trails, and there's really good irrigation, so you don't have to worry about that too much. But I think one of the things that I want to know about you all that are listening are what are some things that you do on your downtime when you don't find an ability or a way to go hike? What are some things that you do to kind of still feel like you're enjoying the outdoors or getting that essence of the outdoors just to kind of fill that space that we've all really, you know, some of us really need to be outside just because it, it helps us and it's a, it's a, it's a good habit to have. And um, so for me, one of the suggestions are some books about the outdoors. And like I said, Jack Kerouac, The Dharma Bums is a really good one. Uh, Big Sur is another one that he wrote. Um, it's This one was made into a movie, Wild, with Reese Witherspoon. But I know that's a really good book, too, about kind of overcoming some challenges and, and learning more about yourself and there's definitely some YouTubers that I really like to watch. I'm sure a lot of y'all know about Dixie. She was, and still is, pretty much one of the only hiking people that I watch on YouTube pretty regularly. I like her 
personality. I like her video editing style. It's not too overproduced. It seems a lot more natural. Um, I think Adventure Four Wheel Drive. He is a. Uh, I mean, I watch him every week. At this point, he he releases videos every Friday when he can. I know this week he's going to be doing some type of expo, so he's posting that video after the expo is over. But there's definitely a lot of fishing videos that I watch and uh, just outdoor things that I try to immerse myself in. Because I think it's important to still keep those opportunities available so you don't... If, if you need to have a habit. Like, I need to have something that is consistent in my life that I can rely on. Otherwise I get thrown off kilter a little bit. So if I don't have, not in a super rigid sense where I'll be, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't get it. Like I'm I'm going to be okay if I don't hike today. I I get to fill time with recording this podcast and working on the website a little bit. I have some posts that um, just came out. The The next segment after this is a little bit more informative. It's it's going to be about trekking poles, so stay tuned for that. But at, at this point, there's, there's things I can definitely work on. But a couple of years ago, there wasn't. I didn't have anything to fall back on except, you know kind of spending my time around town going to breweries and and day drinking and that became you know that was something that I was doing previous to hiking and that was a lot of kind of where some of my mental health deteriorated a little bit because it was not letting me enjoy my happiness to the fullest, you know, I would hike and then be so hurried to finish my hike just so I can hit the brewery afterwards. You know, I I was, I was forcing it because I, that was something that was more important to me at the time because I, I treated it as like a reward. It's like, well, I did 10 miles today. I should go drink a beer. And, and, and then you are kind of, creating a system where you're not really enjoying the hike because you're trying to get through it so quickly to reward yourself with something that isn't really going to be as fulfilling. And that is not to say that that's not something you can do or should do, but when it becomes a cause and effect thing in, in my life, it became something that wasn't a reward and it just became kind of a bad habit for me and when most people can do that in moderation then then yeah I mean that's that's something that you should I mean you're if you're if you're of age and and that's something you enjoy then by all means but for me it wasn't something that I could regulate and you know there's definitely times when it got out of hand and it's like oh I did a longer hike so I should drink more and and now not having or or choosing not to have that as a reward 
has definitely made my hikes a lot more enjoyable and I can take my time and and enjoy the scenery and I think taking video too and I, and I know technology on the trail is we'll get to that at some point but you know it's 2020 <laughs> everyone typically has a mobile mobile device on them and 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 I like taking video but for me it forces me to stop cuz I'll look at where I'm at first and then see if I think it'd be a good shot and for me that is enough to kind of slow down and enjoy and immerse myself with the area and I'm and mostly because I'm not in a hurry while doing it if I was trying to take video and hike and then try to hit up the bar afterwards I wouldn't enjoy that at all and um now that I've chosen to not make that a priority or something that I'm looking towards at the end of a hike currently in my life, then I can definitely enjoy being out on the trail a lot more. And And I definitely recommend anyone who's kind of struggling, battling, dealing, compromising with that, really find ways to slow yourself down and, and really enjoy the experience, whether that's taking a book with you, taking a hammock with you, taking your camera with you, and just finding things to do out on the trail. If hiking alone isn't isn't really fulfilling enough, find other things that you can do while hiking that will make that experience more fun for you. Not everybody, a lot of us, you know, especially talking to other anglers and other hikers, for the most part, a lot of us like to do this solo. And this is kind of our opportunity to get away from our day-to-day and being out in nature solo kind of gives us that break that we need to just kind of clear our heads. And, and so I, I definitely hike more often on my own, but that's not to say that I don't enjoy hiking with others. It's just a different experience. I'm not hiking with other people so I can do 15 miles in four hours or whatever. Um, you know, that's definitely a time to catch up with friends and have conversation. Whereas in the past, the scene of the conversation would be a lot different and and not as fulfilling if you're if you're doing it somewhere else. So think about kind of what you what you look for on days away from the trail and what makes you happy and what are some books or movies or videos or photo editing, I guess could be one. If you're, if you're taking a lot of pictures and sharing those photos with people, there are a ton of hiking accounts on Instagram that I follow and, you know, it's really inspiring. And I think, sharing photos is a great way to share appreciation of the outdoors. And I had posted a a video that REI had put out is about social media ruining the outdoors. And I mean, it, it focused mostly on the bigger parks. So like Yellowstone and Zion, some of the national parks where on the weekends they're seeing increases I don't have the info in front of me, but they're seeing 
increases of 100, 200% more people than they had been. And, you know, on paper you think, well, what's so bad about more people going into nature and enjoying the outdoors? Like, why is that a bad thing? Well, you know, it's not. I, I definitely always encourage people to enjoy the natural wonders and the, the natural, the national parks and state parks and all the parks, all the land that's set aside for our enjoyment, you know, ultimately that's its intended purpose. I think what they were focusing on is not so much social media itself, but what people were doing to, to get it, get it for the gram. I think y'all knew I was going there. You know, people putting their lives at risk, A, to get a good shot, B, going somewhere that is forbidden or places where you know you have to break some rules. I think the biggest one that keeps coming up around Texas is the Narrows and what people are doing, you know, for the most part, people are following the rules, but then you're seeing a lot of people that are complaining about landowners getting mad at them for crossing their land. I mean, in Texas, especially people that are coming in from out of Texas, y'all need to realize that private land ownership is really important for people in Texas and crossing people's land to get somewhere just so you can take a picture and is is very inappropriate. And if if you build these connections with the landowners and introduce yourselves and and reach out and kind of let them know what your your end goal is, you're going to have a better chance of finding those opportunities. And you see it a lot with the angling community too. And there's a a little bit of a tidbit of keeping your feet wet. You know, when you're walking in the in the riverbeds. You're not going to be as likely to cross into people's land and won't won't have that many people hassle you. But once you get on people's land, then they have every right to yell at you. You know, and, and there's, there's different laws and everything, and I'm not going to go into that there. But going back to the subject of the social media and taking pictures, they're just seeing these places that haven't been overrun with people so people can get pictures and and it's they're starting to see damage happening to the to the landscape around it and stuff that is supposed to be protected protected and I talked about this for something just as little as Pernalla State Park and the Twin Creek the falls the twin falls there and you know you can get the shot that I put up on Instagram was taken from the walkway the pathway that's there and it's a good memory to have and i definitely recommend people going on the trail and and checking out that pretty view but what i had posted about in the account was people walking around the barricade and walking down the bank and trying to get a closer shot and you're seeing more and more people do that and the ground was starting to erode and it creates problems for the landscape and the the natural resources that are around there and you know people need to be able to appreciate what they're viewing but appreciate it as a whole 
and not just as a as a photograph because you know there's real things there's something real and tangible as the subject of your photo that everyone should respect and and appreciate on that level and not just that they got a good shot for uh to post you know i've always felt instagram is everyone's highlight reel but there's definitely stories behind those photos and how people got those photos and I definitely encourage all to be curious and and if people are saying that they can't tell you where that picture is because they had to go through private property or whatever you know you should call them out <laughs> you heard it here first I definitely think you should tell people that that's that's you know we're we're not I mean, I, I definitely see that becoming kind of people over-policing, and I think there's enough of that on the Internet, but I think there's a way to do it where you can encourage people to not kind of cross those boundaries. So I definitely think that's an important topic that people should continue to talk about, and 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 I think we can all do our part to protect the spaces that we're taking pictures of and hiking on and and even things like keep nature wild who has done a lot to encourage people to pick up trash and you know some people may be like well that's not my trash why do i want to pick it up it's like well you know cuz we're all using the space and in reality a lot of the trash that i've been seeing is close to water and who knows from where that trash came because there's a lot of flash flooding that happens and I've definitely seen trash that looks like it was washed down. So it's not necessarily, you know, people that were camping there. Though I will say when I was talking about McKinney Falls, like that's a legit response is I see people during the summer taking their picnic bags all the way down to the lower falls and people just being disrespectful and it's a lot of people that are visiting the park that aren't really there because it's a state park but they're there just because it's water and I get that water is definitely fun but there's definitely there's trash containers around and definitely I don't know litter just kind of gives me gives me goosebumps just because I think it's so I just don't get it why people would rather just throw stuff on the ground anywhere driving in their car or just walking and as someone who used to smoke cigarettes even the thought of like flicking your butt out the car or just on a sidewalk like there's there's trash and you know we can get into a whole other thing about landfills and whatnot and that's it's not the tangent I'm I'm trying to go on now but you know when you're out on the trail I've made it a habit to have like a separate pocket where I can just put stuff in my backpack while I'm hiking and just kind of do what I can you know I don't want to become that obsessive of obsessive about it where I'm hiking around the entire park and picking up everything that I can but I definitely will pick up things that I see while I'm walking on the particular trail 
So this is the 10th episode of the Texas Trailhead podcast. So that's 10 weeks of info, of stories, and I can't be more grateful and thankful to people that have been listening in. According according to the metrics, there uh, the audience is ninety eight percent from the U.S. and and it looks like there's people from all over the world that are interested in what it's like to hike in in Texas and 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 hearing stories from the trail. And I I, I look forward to bringing you more stories. I'm slowly starting to get some people interested in chatting with me about what they like to do out on the trail. And I'm pretty excited for what the next run is going to bring. And I appreciate y'all letting me ramble on today's episode while I get to look outside at rain, which it looks like in the recording of this episode has stopped a little bit. But we'll see. I'll look at the uh, the radar and hopefully it, my radar doesn't get jammed. If anyone knows what that reference is, feel free to find me on Facebook. Raspberry, sir. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like being outdoors. I like hiking. I like talking about it. I like talking about Texas, too. And while this is the Texas trailhead, you know, there's a lot of fun things to talk about in terms of being out in nature and it's not always going to be about hiking. So I appreciate everyone indulging me and, and, and letting me talk to y'all and, and in a way have a conversation, even though it seems like it's just me talking to a microphone, y'all are listening and whether that's while you're working out or driving or walking your doggies out in the morning, I, I definitely appreciate you tuning in and, Looking forward to what the next grouping of, of episodes will bring. There's still plenty of state parks out there. I've done, I think I did the tally. I'm at 33 out of 95. So there's definitely more to talk about there as well in different groupings. But if there's ever something y'all want me to share or highlight or, you know, I don't, I don't have the the sponsorship to just travel to where you are. Um, not yet, at least. Maybe one day that can be a thing and, and just travel around and, and, and showcase hikes. But the videos are definitely something that I enjoy doing and learning about video editing. But, you know, working retail, I definitely enjoy talking. And, and I'm just, I'm really glad that y'all are listening, so... I've seen a lot of memes or just funny quotes on this Facebook group that I follow. It's uh, Texas Backpacking and Hiking, so shout out to them. If you're on Facebook, uh, join that group. They've got a, a lot of users that are sharing a lot of great information. But one, and I know it's kind of a haha post, but it's talking about seeing somebody on the trail with a backpack and water and trekking poles. And they're with their, the person, I guess, narrating the joke is with their daughter, who's five, holding a, a doll and doing the same hike. And so it's it's a little bit of a knock on people hiking with full gear. Well, guess what? I'm that other guy in the comment 
joke scenario. Because when I hike, I'd rather be more prepared than underprepared. I've talked about in previous posts seeing people on trails and I'm like sweaty and chugging water and I have my backpack and my trekking poles and I see people walking in the other direction with nothing except a water bottle and that's fine. It's hike how you want to hike and on short hikes, long hikes, one of the things that I'm going to keep on my backpack is my trekking poles. I use them when I know, well, I use them one, if I've been, if I've never been to the trail before, if I don't know what kind of terrain to expect, I use them if I know I'm going to be uphill, downhill, or if there's sections of trail that are really rocky. There's one part at Pernalis on the 5.5 mile loop that the trails, the trekking poles are definitely helpful there's some sections in the San Marcos Purgatory Trail that get kind of rocky, and I use them for stabilization, etc., etc. Hiking poles are useful, and they serve a purpose, and nobody should be, I guess, judgmental of somebody else that wants to use them. They're going to help save your knees. They're going to help, like I said, with stability. So... This segment, I want to talk about trekking poles and give you everything that I know about them and what you should know about them as well. So for me, trekking poles are one of those things that most people don't realize how important they are until they start using them. Because let me tell you, they are essential for anyone doing long distance hikes or for anyone with knees that give you fits. And these are going to, trekking poles are going to help with that if you have knee problems. And like I said, they're going to help take the load off going uphill and will save you from some gnarly spills going downhill too. There's definitely been times when I was thankful that I had my trekking poles digging into the dirt when I was kind of sliding downhill. So I'm going to go over a handful of different topics when it comes to trekking poles. We're going to focus on the weight, the grip, how they adjust kind of how to set the height for them, and then how to properly use the hand straps. There's a lot of information when it comes to trekking poles. So some of it's useful, some of it is personal preference. So this is going to be information, take what you think you need, and then I'll go over some of of my uh, recommended trekking poles for different price points and usages and whatnot. When it comes to weight, what I want you to focus on primarily is what the intended use is going to be. Are you doing day hikes? Are you doing long hikes? That's definitely a good starting point. From there, you can think about some short-term and long-term goals. For my poles, I felt that I'd primarily be using them for shorter day hikes over rocky terrain that you typically find in the Texas Hill Country. But I also wanted something that would still be comfortable when I start doing longer distance through hikes. So weight is a big factor for distance. The two main materials used for the poles are going to be aluminum and carbon, like a carbon composite. When it comes to weight, you want to consider the overall weight for packability for longer distance. But also the lighter the pole, the easier it will be. Uh, to use while you're using them on the trail. 
if the pole's heavy, your arms are moving back and forth with the pole, and that is going to slow you down a little bit. Lightweight poles for ultralight backpacking long-distance trips are going to be essential. And it really just kind of depends on the material that you're going to be using. So get out there and and feel the poles and feel how they move around in your arm and and see which ones you feel most comfortable. But think about how long you're going to be hiking. If it's a shorter hike, you can get away with a little bit of a, a heavier uh, trekking pole. So with the grip, once you figure out the weight, there's going to be a few different materials that you're going to find trekking pole grips made out of. You're going to see cork, rubber, and foam. Those are the top three that I see out there. And they're all intended for comfort for the most part. But some will do better on warmer hikes, cork and foam. And then some will do better on colder hikes, which is mostly the rubber. Cork will absorb moisture and eventually start molding to your hand. But I feel like they would still be a little slippery if your hands get really sweaty. Personally, I use the foam poles. I like the way they feel, especially when I need to grip them a little bit tighter when using them for stability. And the foam, I feel like, absorbs moisture a lot better without leaving any kind of slippery residue. The rubber grips, for the most part, have those little kind of slits on the edge. And when I'm hiking with them, I feel that in my hand. And I know it's easy to kind of forget, but I'm really aware of kind of that that feel while I'm hiking. And I, I just don't like them. So for me personally, I just prefer the rubber or sorry, the, the foam grips. And those are the, the grips that I use on my, my normal trekking poles. Adjustability. So unlike traditional wooden walking sticks, and you've seen them, and they definitely serve a purpose, trekking poles can also be collapsible, but how they collapse is going to vary. Some are telescopic feeding into itself. Some are foldable, which is helpful if you're familiar with tent poles. Oh, and coincidentally, um, trekking poles can also be used as tent poles for ultralight camping. And some trekking poles don't actually fold at all and have a fixed length, which will reduce weight as they have fewer parts. A lot of the foldable trekking poles are going to be like Z poles, which kind of, like I said, fold like tent poles and they just kind of collapse together. The ones I use are telescopic, so you just slide them out. Keeping them in place will also depend on the style you pick up. I use the black diamond poles that have a flick lock adjustment. You push out the knob to unlock and then adjust the pole and then push back down the lock to hold them. There are push and button lock poles as well. And it really just depends on how sturdy of a pole you want and how much extra weight these parts add. Because when it comes to long distance, every ounce counts. And I haven't had any issues with the flick lock uh, since in the time that I've had them, which is about two years. And they don't, I mean, they're, they're pretty stuck in there. So it's really going to depend on how often you're using them and kind of how hard um, on the trekking poles you are. But like I said, on the flick lock style, I, I haven't had any issues whatsoever. 
when it comes to how high you need to have your poles, the general rule is you want to have a 90 degree angle going from your hand on the pole to your elbow and up your shoulder. This will create a nice balance for hiking. So just kind of have your elbows bent in front of you and that make that 90 degree angle right in front of your body. If you find that you're needing some extra stability for going up or downhill, then you can adjust them and make them a tad shorter or longer, respectively, to lean into them a bit more. This will help redistribute the weight of your body and put more energy into the poles and not your knees. And that's pretty much the whole premise behind the trekking poles. This is an absolute. If you feel like you need to make adjustments for optimum comfort, then just adjust them. That's why it's important to spend time with fixed length poles to ensure the best comfort while hiking. Because with fixed length, you kind of have to get the height that you need right off the bat because you can't make them any bigger or smaller. Hand straps. We start getting a little technical when it comes to hand straps. Most straps that I've seen are either nylon or a type of uh, neoprene. But what's most important is how you use the straps. The correct way to use the straps is to insert your hand from the bottom of the loop and grab your handle. So you're going to go underneath the loop up and then grab the handle. In doing so, you're going to create a nice grip around your wrist as well as extra stability on the handle. Then the extra weight off of your wrist will be transferred to the strap. So your thumb is going to be, and your thumb muscle is going to be resting on the strap. And it's going to look a little curious at first, but you're going to take that weight off of your wrist and you put it down and around the trekking pole. At that point, the strap's not really functioning at all. You're just holding the, um, the trekking pole. And if, and if you need to let go and take them off or kind of use that weight, you're putting a lot of the pressure on the end of your hand. It's one of the more common mistakes when it comes to trekking poles, but one you'll benefit from more just by doing correctly. This will also give you comfort to your hand so you don't get blisters around your thumb and index finger. Most poles should be labeled left and right, and that's not just for the sake of doing so. While the poles may be exact, the straps are inserted specifically for those wrists. So I have two different sets of trekking poles, actually both made by Black Diamond, and one set is labeled and the other one isn't. So you're going to have to look at kind of the angle of the strap to know which hand is which. Um, what else? The remaining things to consider for your trekking poles are essentially all the add-ons, really. The baskets and the tips are going to be your main areas of focus, and these will depend solely on the terrain you plan on using them on. The baskets, um, those are the round caps towards the bottom of the pole, and that can be used to protect from mud and snow. These should always be replaceable and interchangeable based off of where you're going to be. So if you're in sand or rocky terrain, you'll need one version. And then if you're going to be up where there's snow, you probably want to convert that to a different version. 
The tips on the bottom are the same idea. Rubber tips for flatter surfaces where you just need some traction and uh, to hold some of the pressure and then more pointed tips to dig into dirt and snow. And they sell replacement tips too. So you can swap them out as you need them. Or you can have the pointed tips always there and then buy um, like rubber covers to attach to the bottom. How you use the trekking poles, I don't want to give any kind of specificities. I was really worried about saying that word because I thought I'd flub it, but specificities on how you hike with your trekking poles. Your arm motion is really just going to depend on your pace and kind of the terrain that you're using. I tried explaining it to my daughter when she wanted to borrow mine and it's one of those things you really just kind of have to get in a groove with and and figure that out on your own. You can go arm and leg in, in sync or opposite or two at a time. If I use two at a time if I'm going uphill just to kind of help push my body up a little bit. But I don't want to give information on the right or wrong, wrong way to uh, move your arms while hiking. There's a lot of videos and a lot of information out there, and it's so spread out, and I don't want to make that any more convoluted. So get out there, use them, feel, see what feels most comfortable to you. So a couple recommended brands. I love Black Diamond. It's the trekking pole I've been using always since I've had them. It's definitely my number one choice. The brand is definitely known for rock climbing they do i have a headlamp from them they just have really great outdoor products and within the trekking pole category black diamond makes a pretty wide array of price points too for beginners ultralight which is always going to be more expensive so you, you there's a little bit of something for everything i think that on sale, they have some right now that start around 60 bucks, which for as long as they're going to last, I think that's a really good price point. Another company I want to talk to you about is called Montum. Montum is a great brand that's definitely making a name for itself in the low-cost, high-quality outdoor gear market. Reading their bio, they noticed that the like mediocre product was being sold and outfitter stores that were not to par at high prices too. And so they, they focus mostly on trekking poles, but they also make rain jackets and day packs, but the assortment of trekking poles gives an opportunity for a large variety of hikers and the price for top notch gear can't be beat either. They have some that start around $60 also and it's called the ultra strong trekking pole. And they also have a lifetime warranty on their on their gear as well. And this particular kit comes with all of the uh, accoutrement, all of the accessories that you'll need to get going. If you're looking to just get started, there are some budget-friendly models as well. Cascade Mountain has a brand on Amazon that's definitely going to get you going just to see if you even like them. They're $20 and they're aluminum. 
So <laughs> you can't really beat that. I mean, if, if you don't know if you're going to use them or not, 20 bucks is a really, really low entry point to trekking poles. I haven't used them. They have almost perfect reviews on Amazon. I, I know Amazon is not everyone's cup of tea, but um, yeah, it's a it's a great place to start at that price point. Ultralight trekking poles are meant for the long distance hikes. They're going to be ultralight. Anything is kind of hot right now, and it's really expensive. But a company called Lecky makes a fancy trekking pole um and i guess you get what you pay for they're definitely out of my price range but the specs ensure you're getting an easily foldable and lightweight piece of equipment more than suitable for long distance they have a different grip angle too and that's going to help with comfort and they weigh in at just over a pound and have external locking devices for quicker collapsing these range in about $130, $150 trekking pole price. So that's what I have for trekking poles. Do you use trekking poles? Do you like trekking poles? What is your experience with trekking poles? Um, I like them. I use them. I think you should be using them too. If you do use them, let me know in the comments on this podcast on Anchor. If you're not using Anchor, look for the Texas Trailhead on Facebook and leave me some comments about trekking poles. I think you'll benefit from them and I think you'll be able to extend the length of the life of your knees. I've talked to a ton of people who hike the peak at Guadalupe Mountains or Enchanted Rock and just find them super essential. Any kind of high ascent is going to be important for saving your legs and trekking poles I just think are really important so let me know what you think and thanks for listening thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead podcast if you like what you heard please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast you can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page, and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.